0: Welcome to Creatoring, a podcast all about creating and everything that goes into it. I am Zach, your Adobe certified board guaranteed visionary creative mindset. Hello,
1: my name is Courtney and I am certified as the thinker. And my name is Miranda and I'm the Adobe certified dreamer. Mm
0: -hmm. What is a dreamer?
1: (laughs) So, according to Creative Types by Adobe Create, at mycreativetape.com The dreamer is the power of imagination unleashed Huh Which is extremely vague (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: It says Creative strengths are connection to emotions and imagination, empathy and sensitivity and Hmm. um, the world is a place of beauty and magic in the eyes of a dreamer other others see facts and figures, you see symbols, metaphors, and hidden meanings.
0: Huh. Seeing a lot romantic of crossover. Or...
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like, conspiracy. Yeah. Because I feel I... like, I mean, like, creative type, I don't know. I feel like that's very true, because lately I've had to do mm-hmm. a lot of thinking on projects that's very, like, metaphorical and, like, meaning and drawing visual parallels to, like, literal, like, we have to so often get our clients off the track of thinking so literally. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is really accurate to my uh, job right now.
3: Yeah. Your role. Yes. Um, yeah, as the thinker, it's saying I have intellectual curiosity, ability to find and create meaning, and my untapped potential is bridging theory and practice, applying ideas in real life. I feel like it's like reading a tarot card in a way. It's like you drive inspiration from it.
1: That was um, totally the vibe I got from this. I just looked up my birth chart the other night, and that's it's very much the, similar. <laughs> yeah.
0: It is Taurus like, season what's... two, so that's something. Yeah, Venus is in Taurus. I don't know what that means, but I saw it on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, The visionary, apparently my creative strengths are big ideas, ability to see potential, and possibility everywhere. And my untapped potential is using that vision to fuel constant daily action. So I feel like those two are in conflict with each other. So my strength is my potential. Is that the...
1: It sounds to me like the untapped potential is the same for all of us. Yeah. Because mine is using dreams to fuel real world action.
0: And mine is my vision to fuel... Daily actions.
1: So, what is the difference between dreams and vision?
0: Who is your collaborator?
1: The innovator.
0: What's the, what's the difference between innovating and thinking? Because mine's the thinker.
1: Or visioning.
0: Courtney, are you no, you're both the visionary?
3: A, are you a thinker a, and an innovator? I'm the adventurer, or my collaborator is the adventurer. Yeah, I think it all goes in a circle. It's not reciprocal. Yeah. It's like if we all yeah Work with the like turn to your right
1: and work with that person like a this is not going to sound right i was gonna say it's like a back rope circle yeah (laughs) a massage train a massage circle Mm
0: -hmm. yes
1: yes um but for ideas and creativity
0: it's like a inappropriate executive retreat massage train (laughs) but with prettier pictures Because this cactus Um, guy that I got is a better picture than Mike trying to give Ron a massage at the executive retreat without making it inappropriate. Those are names I just made up in my head just now.
1: I thought they were office characters for a second. I was like, Who's Ron? Geez,
0: I'm dropping toys over here too.
1: I think you're mixing uh, your TV
0: show references. Ron from I'm getting into this story. Yeah, mixing I have like I've been writing Michael from I've been writing slash fiction. About the office <laughs> in Parks and Rec where um, Michael and Ron hook up. Mm-hmm. it's uh, It gets pretty hot pretty quick. And I'm like dropping toys just thinking about it. Just like making extra noises. Make
1: sure noises. you uh, drop the link to that in our um, Discord. Yeah, the, AO- the AO3 fan fiction.
0: The back door. Back door at night. It gets dark um, in there
1: speaking of things that are inappropriate we had a we were having lunch today at the office and somebody we started I mean we get lightly inappropriate to just like make jokes and be funny but it's nothing personal and it's nothing like that makes anybody uncomfortable but we talked about making an HR violation jar (laughs) for the office (laughs) because we don't really have an HR but we all kind of like keep each other in check so we Mm -hmm. thought that'd be funny a funny way to kind of keep it light but be like, all right, you got to put five bucks in the jar. Like that was, mm-hmm. you went too far.
3: Accountability.
0: Yeah. What are the rankings? Like, what's gonna have? What's gonna make me put twenty bucks in there?
1: I, I mean, I wouldn't say it publicly, <laughs>
0: probably. <laughs> Peeing in a cubicle, ten dollars.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like a, a personal comment about somebody, somebody's personal life or something. Like i don't know
0: that's like two dollars talking about their family five dollars it just goes bumping up that way
1: there was like an out of context joke about somebody taking their pants off Mm -hmm. at work and somebody referenced it and they're like oh it's nothing like the time you told me about you wanted to take your pants off and so that was kind of like a funny like it was out of context and clearly it wasn't inappropriate but the way that we were talking about it was 12 uh, (laughs) dollars, and yeah I was like, maybe that's like maybe a three or five dollar, like buy me a coffee because I had to listen to you say that.
0: Speaking of inappropriate at the workplace, totally pivoting this way. Have you guys heard of this new podcast called In God We Lust?
3: No, no.
0: It's a spinoff of another show. I heard about it on another podcast called Good Christian Fun, which is incredible. It's like a deep dive into Christian culture. From the viewpoint of people who aren't in it anymore, it's amazing. Go listen to Good Christian Fun, but in uh, in God we lust. It's a six part series covering the Jerry Falwell Jr. Liberty fiasco. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that Liberty University, the college that I went to and have begun distancing myself from. Um, the the allegations go that Jerry Falwell Jr. and his wife. Carried on a voyeuristic relationship with a pool boy they met in Miami at a hotel where he would have sex with Jerry's wife while Jerry watched those allegations from the pool boy. So
1: that's got to be at least a thousand dollars. At least a thousand dollars. HR
0: violations. It's huge. <laughs> it's an incredible podcast, but yeah, a thousand dollars every time they did it. And then he went around allegedly and told the story to people at Liberty, like staff and faculty. That's another thousand dollars every time. Oh my goodness. You could afford a yacht party by the end of the story.
1: I just, I, why boast about that? Honestly.
0: It was the, the, um, like the hypocritical, what's the word? How do you say that? The hypocriticalness? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That's the word. I made up a word, (laughs) but there's already a word that exists. My word didn't even make sense. It went on for too long. But the hypocrisy sucks. I can't hold hands with somebody and like, yeah. <laughs> and they go into like deep if dives of Liberty stuff that I didn't know about or had forgotten about. Like it was, they had banned interracial marriage until like 1986. Cause Jerry Falwell apparently supported segregation. I was like, I wish I had known that before I started going there. That's a red flag. I could have avoided right off the bat. Yeah. <sighs> the best part about Liberty was meeting my wife. So that's, I've got that coming out of there. That and, tens of thousands of dollars of student debt but um yeah nothing helping me creatively so you two get to help me what is y'all's creative process
1: oh what a pivot um i need to think about this one
0: i pivoted faster than that miami pool boy pivoted into a lawsuit uh
1: surprisingly my process my creative process is not what you would think it is, me having just tested as the dreamer, creative type. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I lean much more the thinker with my creative process, mm-hmm. or my uh, creative process, yeah. 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 Like process. Um, or my both. brain checked out halfway through that sentence, and I didn't
0: know what I was saying. <laughs>
3: I was about uh, to say, you're process-oriented, <laughs> but then I'm using the word process to define. Pro- yeah. Duh, duh, Courtney yeah
0: the process of processing the process yeah is what
1: yeah i'm I'm very much like a a list maker and a schedule writer like I spent probably thirty to 45 minutes today writing down all of my dates in my planner and like when I need to start working on things and when I need to like set meetings to check in with people and all of that. Um, lots and lots of lists, lots and lots and copious iPhone notes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. sort it into folders
3: I work the same way because I feel like if I don't I learned early on that if I would put it off well yeah like if I don't have a structure I'm more likely to put something off but even then um, I would end up working with the client on like say seven rounds of revisions right before it's supposed to go to print and in order to wrangle it I said okay you only get three and then they're going to be spaced out like if I set expectations, it helps them a little bit more to where they don't think they have endless uh, amounts of my time. But um, other than that, too, it's like I i don't know if I cling to process, but it's like I like having these large buckets that I can play within that are super structured, uh, like, outlines so that I'm not so sp- – like it's almost like dealing with fear of what is this thing going to be at the end like how am I going to get there oh well we have small chunks small steps it'll be okay and I love the research part that'll take 50% and then you'll know more
1: (laughs) that makes a lot of sense because you do you've done a lot of work in like project management and like timeline stuff right Mm -hmm. I I kind of so like yeah that fits that you work that into your own process I don't I'm I let somebody else set all the deadlines for me. Like, it literally does not happen. I don't start working on a thing until I have an end date. Yeah. Like, if somebody tells me a project is about to happen at work, I'm like, you tell me when it's due and I'll start working on it. Mm-hmm. But until then, it's just going to exist in the waiting area of my brain in purgatory. Totally.
3: Yes. Yeah. It was more, um, whenever I s- graduated school, I was, um, I was the only designer at a really small agency. And in order to scale or to be able to do all this work, I had to implement these spreadsheets myself. Otherwise, it would have just been madness to me. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely out of necessity. How about you,
0: Zach? Oh, what does your I'm just structure look like? Soaking that in because I don't have structure. <laughs> the closest thing to structure in my work life is my desk. That's probably it. Like I've got three post-it notes right here in front of my Game Boy which is in front of a couple of toys and then a stack of index cards that have notes scribbled on them next to, and right behind my keyboard is like a nice little box. I keep posting notes in that has random three random words on it. And I'm trying to remember what those words were for. Basically it's, um, I need to work on this video. So I'll have like three screens up over here and That'll be my research phase. I'll do like 20 minutes of research before diving into something. I work on this monitor. And then when I'm done, it's out of my mind. All my all my dates and stuff are done in project management software. Trello and stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of like Miranda. I don't know if you go to this far. But I need the endorphins <laughs> to really yes. push the project forward. <laughs> and without the due date, those endorphins don't kick in. And so Yeah. You know, three or four days before the deadline comes is probably the best work you'll get out of me. So I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get this done.
3: I totally agree. Something in my brain listeners
1: can't see my face right now, but I just had the biggest, cheesiest grin because I was like, These are my people. (laughs) I have I have we have our project management software, which is Basecamp, where I have all my to dos that are assigned to me and where I can ask questions and we get our files and all that. We have I have a Google calendar that has, like, my dates off and things like that. But I also add, like, important dates that are, like, when proposals are due or, like, when, like, meetings and stuff like that. And then I have my physical planner where all of it's put together so I can see it all. And I update it, like, every couple of weeks. Um, so I'm not, like, trying to do the whole planner every time I get assigned something. And then I have a daily checklist on a notepad. Mm-hmm. And so I get lots of little little like spurts of serotonin every time I get it, or dopamine or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good.
3: If you could check it off. Because yeah. Zach, do you work on one project at a time? Because I know for some, I know you're not a freelancer, but I know for some freelancers, that's kind of how they schedule it out too. So they don't have to do all these benchmarks, deadlines. It's just, you're going to be done in a week.
0: Uh, No, I'm usually, po- I'm usually working on three or four projects at a time. I mean, mm-hmm. never in the same chunk. But I'll, I'll split my day into three, however many projects I'm working on. I'll work on this project for three or four hours in the morning, then two hours on this, and then the rest of the, the next two or three hours on the other thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Because,
0: yes, in the pandemic world, I work more than eight hours a day. It's just... And that's good. Mm-hmm. That's cutting back a little bit. <laughs> that's pulling back and being more careful with my time. But... Uh... No, I wish I could just work. That's what everybody wants. Like, I've got, it's usually one fun project. And then four mm-hmm. or five, we've got to get this on YouTube projects. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Like, one that you're really focused on. And yeah. then two, just ship it.
0: Yeah. Because there's very rarely, and this isn't a knock on anybody, but um, in the corporate design day job world, there's very little opportunity for projects that actually feel creatively satisfying yeah and so when you have them you're like you want to pour everything into it but that other shit's got to get done too and usually that's the stuff that the higher-ups are pushing on you to get done so
3: yeah yeah that was the hardest for me to learn which things to get excited about and not every piece can be done to a thousand
0: percent yeah <laughs> So what I've been doing is I've got the one the project I'm excited about that we've already determined is going to take like two months to finish because of the scope of the thing. And I have that like sitting on the corner of my desk in my head, my head desk. Yeah. And then I work on the other thing. And while that's in the review stage, I'm just like diving into this pile and spending all my time there. And then when the review comes up, I make the changes and then dive back into it because that's what it's going to take to get done anyway. But um. (laughs)
3: And I think I've talked to you both about this before, but it seems like you don't have budgeted hours that you have to stick within. Because I feel like if I had that, it would take some pressure off and like allow me to explore a little bit more. You like mean does that... or... Mm-hmm. It would be like version one, you get five hours to do this. Version two is three hours. That, would, it... help,
1: that would help you? Or are you saying that's the way that it is for you?
3: And... Uh, that's the way that it is for me. But I'm wondering if you feel some relief without it
1: not really okay <laughs> i have a hard i have a really hard time making sure that i allocate i, I don't i'm gonna rephrase that <laughs> i'm trying to get better at not saying i have a hard time with i'm trying to start saying i'm working on getting better at
3: <laughs> uh-huh
1: because language is important, important. um okay. i'm working on getting better at allocating time for different tasks and making sure I stick to that because it's really easy for me to sink a ton of time into one project that I'm excited about something that I get like hyper focused on um and it's never the only project that I'm working on I'm usually on at least one or two large projects at a time maybe Mm -hmm. three or four and then like half a dozen smaller things that need to get done in a day or in a week um and so ideally, I would like to just focus on one or two big things mm-hmm. and not have to deal with all the rest.
0: But that work will fill the bucket, right? Exactly. Like whatever time you give it, it'll just take over all of it.
1: It will. It's like the, it's like how cats are a liquid.
0: <laughs> mm,
1: totally are. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And then the other thing is that I also can very easily sink a ton of time into admin tasks. So like checking in on other projects or looking at all the stuff that's been posted that I need to review for the design team or making sure that we're on track with deadlines because that's some of my responsibilities that like we have project managers and account managers but I still feel responsible (laughs) for checking in with my team um so yeah I'm still figuring it out
0: and maybe in like 40 years you will and you'll write a really good book about it (laughs) and it'll be amazing and it'll be number one seller and we'll all get it. But I appreciate that. Speaking of cats going into the cat dimension it's time for our first break so we'll be right back I'm gonna go snuggle my cat We're back. Welcome back to Creatoring, a podcast about creating stuff with creating stuff and then creating more stuff and, you know, creativity. Um, And the process. Yeah, and the cats. So many cats. Um, Speaking of creative process, what is art? Well, (laughs) what is art?
2: (laughs) It's a question I've been asking myself since since undergrad. And I, I think the answer I've come up to is what is not art? Oh, that's a good question.
0: Uh, <laughs> welcome.
1: Sounds like a great answer.
2: <laughs> welcome, Will Trurin,
0: uh, co host, DM, best friend to goblins <laughs> of Dungeons and Designers, the hit number one podcast with three designers, an unemployed guy, and a guest each week. Welcome to Creatoring. It's nice to have you, Will. Thanks, Ben. Do you Thanks. ever play
2: the game of like how niche you have to get in the podcast world so you actually get on <laughs> the boards? Like how many like like all podcasts were not there, right? Mm-hmm. All yeah. design podcasts not there. Like how yeah. niche do you have to get until you start getting on that board?
1: You're definitely number one in in some niche category,
2: right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, designing think- based dungeons and. Design Dungeons and Dragons. We're at least number three on that.
2: Yeah, like in Taiwan only, though.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But Taiwan is blowing up that spot right now. (laughs) They love us in Taiwan. Uh, We do... Creatoring does really well in New Zealand.
1: Really? Yeah, Yeah, for whatever reason. New Zealanders. Kiwis. Hello, Kiwis.
0: I mean, they're doing better than most of the rest of the world when it comes to covid
1: yeah, I'm care. real proud of y'all listeners. Mm-hmm. Keep doing and, the good work.
2: And they record Lord of the Rings there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So doing we should all just move there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Please. Honestly.
0: If anyone wants to sponsor us and our families, let us know.
1: <laughs> so I'll go to New Zealand. We'll record a, a special podcast episode there, or several.
2: So, well, what is not art? I don't know. Um, The way I've been dividing it, which is going to make everyone angry, right, Mm -hmm. is that the only difference is between art and decoration. And I I don't think decoration should be considered art. Mm. Um, And maybe the way you describe the difference between that is art has a purpose of more than being pretty Mm -hmm. or um, art has to say something, not just be Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So art is totally. only
0: lettering, is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's a good start, right? <laughs> if it is lettering, but maybe not those like uh, those like script letters that like moms put in their kitchens.
1: Yeah, <laughs> live, laugh, love. So,
2: so maybe maybe lettering can't be art.
1: <laughs> Ray done. <Dunn. laughs>
2: do you come up with a better live, laugh,
0: love, then it would switch over.
1: Hmm. Um, we've been talking about creative process for a little bit. Do you want to talk about your creative process?
2: Sure. Um, or should
1: I say, tell us about your creative process. <laughs> <laughs>
2: more direct,
0: more, more firm. I like that.
2: That's, that's tough, right? So I'm that's uh, a
0: real visionary of you.
1: I know it's extremely vague.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I, so I just finished grad Super school. Super dreamer. I'm applying for a professorship and trying to transition into teaching. And I'm actually working on a presentation now that has a lot to do with process. And I'm, I'm finding, I like going through all my past projects and the process hasn't been consistent for any of them, um, which I, I don't, I think is a good thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. What I am realizing is that maybe because I was like raised on the internet and raised on a computer, I almost never sketch anything Mm. i'll like sketch in illustrator but it's always clean vectors uh and i don't have a tablet so it's not even like i'm drawing it's always like with the mouse and shapes um and and in my last grad program they put a name to it where they said uh develop things so that the, the aim is to be quick to flashy and the concept is don't waste time doing things that you can't show anybody um and i don't know if that's if that's a good advice, it's definitely applied to me, especially for like web. And I, that's like the primary reason they taught it, right? It was like for web design mm. is that a decade ago, everyone was taught to like wireframe mm. and draw out their designs. And with prototyping tools like Figma or XD or Envision, all those things, like there's no reason to ever sketch wireframes. You should always just go straight to like lo-fi prototypes and start exploring the interactions immediately because it's just, it doesn't save any time now to go to wireframes.
0: Somewhere Peter Del Tondo just had a shiver go up his back.
2: Probably. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like if you can draw a wireframe that you can interact with and immediately start exploring the user experience aspects of a website, I don't see how that could ever not be seen as a strength. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, my process has been, how can I get to a like minimal viable product as fast as I can so I can immediately start iterating Mm -hmm. um, and not waste time overthinking things in the beginning. Makes sense. The only time I could
0: think of creating something that people wouldn't see is when you're beginning to learn how to draw and you're like copying Bill Watterson or Gary Larson while you make your far side comics or something.
2: Yeah. And there's definitely room for all that. Like even – professional illustrators are going to start with like those geometric sketches and underlying skeletons. Um, but I can't draw for nothing. So like mine doesn't begin there. <laughs> like I'm learning. Yeah. And that's
1: like the framework that sets you like for illustrating. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's the framework that kind of sets you up. Like it's the, it's the foundation or whatever. Like with design, it's a little trickier cause I'm not going to like take my wireframe sketch that I handmade on a napkin into illustrator to create or i mean yeah i do web design the wrong way but <laughs> i don't develop it so i don't have to work in uh the programs that actually make sense to develop in but yeah like i wouldn't take and you wouldn't take a sketch and stick it in figma and build your prototype based on that like
2: i'm sure there are people who do because it's just how they were taught when they first did it, right? Everyone was creating sketches on, they even used to sell, I don't know if this is a thing anymore. When I first started, they would sell notebooks with um, like devices on the paper. And the idea nice. was like, you would sketch your designs out in the device on the paper and then like scan that in and use that as your underlying drawing. Um, when, you can, when tools are now being designed specifically to create that faster and in a way that you can iterate and build upon quicker, it just uh, it doesn't make sense to like go back a step, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when that wasn't thing people did, and like you would draw the logo and then
0: go back and draw the spheres and the diagrams on top of it to make it look cool?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, I don't you think didn't I've put ever that bullshit the there the first on top place. Of a logo.
1: Right.
3: It wasn't the assumption that those are the building blocks to make the logo, but you're saying they reverse engineered it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Almost> <laughs> if you everything. built the logo that way, that's great. But I I feel like most of the people like bullshit yeah. of that and like or just like
3: intuitively do it. it yeah,
1: yeah. I'm kind of the opposite that. well I I feel like that I, I was also raised on the internet but I feel like I was kind of in between so like I I still there's still like some weird part of my brain that gets itched when I have a pencil sure. or a stylus in my hand And when I like, I just make different stuff when I have to sketch it really tiny. So that's like part of like layout sketch. I'll Mm. sketch really tiny because it's easier for me to set up hierarchy that way. Like I get too deep, I can get too into the weeds with like font sizing or whatever, like on a print layout. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas if I sketch it out and I just use like lines for body copy and scribbles for headlines, like I get farther faster. And then I just, Plop them into like InDesign, in mm-hmm. boxes. Like I use text boxes and frame this and stuff, and kind of wireframe it that way, and then yeah, that's in. yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Like it's that's weird to me because I when you're like oh I was raised on the internet, i have just always on a computer, and like well me too, but I don't know what like why did that part stick around with me? I don't know. I, don't know. I did like, go to so, art school, so maybe that's you, why. You did go to art school? school. The dreamer side. Yeah, it's the so, dreamer side.
2: My, my dad is a professional photographer. So at like age 12, I got my first copy of Photoshop. So I think when like a lot of kids are learning how to draw notebooks and like sketching, I was already like pushing pixels. So maybe it's just like, where yeah. did you learn to explore your creativity? Mm-hmm. And I think for most people, and you hear it all the time, it was like drawing in the back of notebooks. Um, and if that's where you were, if you were always drawing in the margins, then it would make sense that... You, as an adult or as a professional, your creative process is to start in those margins still, mm-hmm. uh, even if you have a full blank page.
1: Yeah, for me, I I it's just it's, the I amount think it's half and half for sure. Because like I, I the art school I went to, we also we took, we had design classes starting um, in middle school, so it was uh-huh. we had very early access as mm-hmm. well to the Adobe yeah. programs, yeah. Uh, the sweet sweet uh, creative suite. Yeah, <laughs> 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 days. The C too, like <laughs> Good old yeah. C S. Uh, and pre-CS. with the lady in the flowy hair, like she was my main lady. Um but also, yes, like also we had the physical art classes and visual arts. So like I think that was pretty balanced. Like we were required to kind of do both yeah. for our mm-hmm. electives. And um, yeah.
2: There's also probably thanks, a, thanks for a,
1: helping me get to the root of that.
2: There's also I think a a good amount of how much did your teachers childhood influence you um, and I know like when I was first starting design like my professors would always talk about uh, Ruby with and how fortunate we were not to have to cut Ruby Lith, which was like a, a way of like a Ruby red transparency material and they would always talk about that and I think a lot of their core methodologies branched from starting at that point way back when um, and I could see that how that could latch on to people, and like you start pulling. And I'm definitely not saying like their ways worse than mine. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons that it would be better. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. Like, where do you find your process? And I don't think any of us could give ourselves credit for that, right? It's who influenced you, and like, what did your childhood look like when you're first trying to be creative?
0: Courtney, yeah. what was your wireframe?
3: Oh, yeah. Front well, end. fun fact. First, I learned in high school, well, I guess I learned later on, once I learned what RubyLith was, that mm-hmm. the Quick Mask tool in Photoshop is based on that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, as I learned more about Photoshop, or um, about what? being in the actual darkroom, too, and, like, the dodge and burn tools, like, just, like, dodge and burn in Photoshop. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say is that I think it just depends on what you're quickest at. Like, to your point, Will, like for some reason, whenever I'll have an idea for something, if I don't write it down immediately on the back of whatever mm. paper is nearby, it's gone. Like to, um, In terms of layout at least, or if I'm working on a really complicated problem, like a new web layout. And then I'll, I'm wondering if this matches up to what you're saying. It's like almost like I'll work in gray boxes and like buttons and then prototype that out mm-hmm. and then add on to it. Like really get more and more specific, but you just have to start somewhere (laughs) because of the blank page.
2: Yeah, I think what you were just saying about like writing down notes almost, I definitely can relate to that. I think um, my notebook is filled with little like half thought out sentences, much Uh more than sketches of just like, um, I was playing with a header today that reacted weird when you scrolled and it was like more explaining the animations of that and like writing that down. So that when I sit down and I want to like jump right into building it, I have kind of like these thoughts that would definitely be gone within an hour.
3: <laughs> yeah. Because the other problem I was running into with web, and I wonder what you think about this, is like I would try to pitch an idea for how something would animate. And I would have to go into After Effects and kind of mock that up in order mm-hmm. to get buy-in. And then that would actually take longer than coding it. <laughs> but that's what they wanted. <laughs> um and is that kind of your process for going through that? Or do you just go ahead and like coding it faster. So you just go ahead and do it.
2: So I never did it in after effects. Cause mm-hmm. you're, I, yeah, it's just, yes. it takes forever.
3: It takes forever. <laughs> there <laughs> wasn't a... the technology at the time.
2: Right. So I think I used to do straight in code and like prototype it. So I could just send them that HTML and let them play with it. But now like XD and Figma are just doing such a good job at giving you the base. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, Miranda, you were just talking about you start your web in Illustrator, right? Which I actually think is great. Um, Whenever I hit a roadblock in one of the other tools, I go back to Illustrator because it removes all these frameworks that kind of guide your decisions. And you see that with things like WordPress. Like every WordPress site kind of looks like a WordPress website. (laughs) And it's because like those initial building blocks and like Zach, you're doing 3D a lot now. And Mm -hmm. when I was doing 3D, I realized like, if you started a shape with a, a square or a cube, um, at the end, you could still see that cube sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if you started with a plane that forced you to create a shape with those those just four, four edges, it was harder to tell. And I think if you do your, if you do your web in Illustrator, you're getting rid of all of that cube and you're going down to that plane, which is a really cool idea. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. That's really comforting here to, to hear because our, our company hasn't really had a formalized web design process. Like we have we have designers and we have developers. The developers do design, but usually the design starts with the designers and we just make it in whatever program we're most comfortable mm-hmm. working with and then hand it over to developers and kind of walk them through. I think this looks like this. This is what the hover is. Like I kind of want a parallax thing here whatever. And then they kind Validation. of do that and then they add their special sauce and we yep. do WordPress. Don't make that face at me, Zach.
0: Special sauce. Is
1: that like $2 in the HR violation? Yeah, th- $3.
0: <laughs> they put special sauce all over the servers, um, <laughs> all over the website.
1: Anyway. So I think <laughs> it's interesting to hear you say that you feel like maybe it's, it comes from a more like a, there's no framework to work from because we've been having a lot of conversations about, well, do we need to move to XD so that we can, like, it's easier to hand over to, to dev so that they can like have an easier time of it. Like they they've been fine taking the those Like they're very easygoing yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, tell me what I can do to make this go faster for you. And I'm sure it, it would mean go, um, starting in XD, but
3: um, I don't know. Most of the developers that I work with, I'll walk them through the benefits of XD but they aren't comfortable with it either. And they just kind of wing it or go off their intuition for like, oh, I think that's 16 points. I think it's space like 10 pixels yeah. from this other thing. So it sounds like it's, yeah, it's whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I guess it's working. So I have two big web projects coming up too. So,
2: <laughs> so <laughs> well, this, this
1: conversation coming at a really good time.
2: <laughs> what you were just talking about is like working with developers. And if we're going to talk about process of like teams, that I would say like the most, fundamental or most impactful decision is to bring devs on early. So if uh, my last agency I worked at, that's how we did it. And like, it didn't always happen, right? But like the perfect world was uh, every project for web starts with design, right? And UX and those like just strategy decisions. But one developer would be in that those meetings, all of those meetings in the beginning. And their role could just be to observe. But what they get to do is understand all the decisions you're making. So no matter what you give them, they're not interpreting 100% the design, but the the inspiration and intention. Mm-hmm. And then they don't care. And then, then on the back half, is the same thing, right? Like where all the designers might drop off except for one. And they're going to be there to be like, no, it can't be 16 point. Like it was purposely 18 point for these reasons. And developers might not care. But like at that moment, you still have that design, in, design influence. Because like, it's just a tool, right? Yeah. And, um... Speaking of developers you
0: just gave your design to, it's time for a break. We'll be right back. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Welcome back. Uh, Sorry for the developer dig earlier. Um, That was a fun conversation, though. And now... If you guys don't mind, it's time for Tip Corner. Tip can't Corner. You can see, but we're dancing. We're yeah, all dancing. we're all doing
1: little little
0: <laughs> dances. Uh, <laughs> um, I will start. I'm learning ZBrush, and um, trying to think if I could if there's one good tip that I've found. So far, kind of antithetical to what we were just talking about in the last segment, maybe not, but start with blocking out your shapes. Don't stick just to one shape before you move it. Blocking out has helped me get to my characters faster than anything else before I start moving and pushing and poly grouping and merging and remeshing. Blocking out's helped a lot, so. Take a couple steps back before you really dig into your characters. You nerds. (laughs) Who wants to go next?
1: Zach, I feel like any time that you talk about what you do with your 3D work and your animation, I know what the words are, but in (laughs) the context, none of them make any sense to me. But I'm just like, okay, (laughs)
0: yeah, I don't know if they make sense. Someone gets it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Hopefully, like one person in New Zealand or Taiwan will understand what the fuck I just said, and they will enjoy it. (laughs) And the rest of you can just buzz It's kind of
3: like an illustrator when you use basic shapes to make a complex shape. Is that what you're kind of saying? That's basically what it is. Yep. But it's in 3D?
0: hmm
3: Is that what ZBrush is? Okay. hmm mm-hmm. I'm revealing how much I don't know. But no, cool.
0: Basically, <laughs> yeah. All right, Courtney, you're up. Tip corner.
3: Yeah. Tip um. Corner. I was saving out brand materials um, last week. And realized a really good tip that I had learned that I'm sure a lot of you know, but it's good to reiterate that whenever you are picking out your colors to start with Pantones first and then go to CMYK and then to RGB, because that's the order of narrow to widest color gamut, like number of colors, because if you go the other direction, you're going to have a bad time especially if you, you wanted yeah. it to be really subtle <laughs> but yeah there's a number of people that I didn't realize or I had to learn it on my own and other people didn't know it so I thought I would share
0: that's, a, you know, that's I've what I've done for.
3: it
1: that way and I feel like I should start because I've run into that issue where I started an RGB because it looked nice on my screen and that's how we show everything to our clients
0: mm-hmm what do you mean? That only I, exists in code. And then I had to wow. pick a Pantone for
1: it.
3: It's like too blue and like darker <laughs> than shit. you wanted. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Every time. Good tips. What's yours? How about you? Um,
0: you thought you were gonna get out of tip corner this week. No, 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 no. no. I'm <laughs> looking at your I'm list. Off of.
1: um, my tip for today is just keyboard shortcuts. I'll share a couple of my favorites with you that I literally use all the time. Keyboard shortcuts make you look like a wizard in front of the other people, either designers that don't use them or people that you work with that have no idea what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, my boss will often come over and I'll be, I, have, I always have one hand on the keyboard and one hand on the mouse, like I'm gaming or something. And he's like, slow down, wait a minute. Cause he's like asking me to make changes and I'm like trying to move stuff around. He's like, wait, just let me look at it. Um, okay. So keyboard <laughs> shortcuts, some of my favorites in illustrator, the mm-hmm. ones that I use all day, every day. Um, you wouldn't think, but the, the fill and stroke on the bottom of your tool palette window, the keyboard shortcut for, um, swap it like, Swapping like which one is active okay. is X. And then if you want to switch them, like if, you want, if your stroke is black and your fill is white and you want to swap them so your fill is black and your stroke is white, Shift-X. And if you have an object and it's like an invisible or it's like some wacky color and you want it to just be the default color, which is white fill, black outline... <clears throat> you hit shift D, I think. Yeah, that works in Photoshop too. Yeah, I think it also works in Photoshop. Same in Photoshop, same shortcuts for your foreground and your background. Um, And I use it all the time because I often need a white fill or a black fill. Um, And it's so much easier than having to like open up your palette thing and like whatever. I don't know. I love buttons. Also, um, (laughs) the shortcuts (laughs) for like, tracking and kerning and love letting buttons. so easy like when you have a text box selected in illustrator i'm trying to th- i'm like closing my eyes to Im- imagine how i do it because i don't have yeah the- i guess i have
0: illustrator open
3: that's how my professors would be in design <laughs> school they'd be like when you close your eyes <laughs> envision it with it, their muscle memory you, are yeah. you at
0: your desk working or are you looking at like a giant illustrator i know well
1: i'm i have it open so let me um I have it. Because it's muscle memory, so I don't even yeah. remember. I had to literally write down what these were and I didn't write these down. So for um you highlight your text mm-hmm. and you do Alt. Um and you can use the right and left arrow keys to increase or decrease your tracking for all of the highlighted text. If you want to do just your kerning between two letters, just put your little cursor line between the two letters, hold Alt. And right and left arrow. If you want to increase your leading, which is the space between the lines, or line spacing, if you're a people. (laughs) Alt, uh, up arrow, down arrow. We'll do that. Magical. Heavenly.
0: Now you're a wizard. Yes. You're a wizard now, Will. Thanks for sticking around for Tip Corner. That's been... I think Will was always...
1: Tip Corner! Sorry.
0: Yeah, Will's always been a wizard.
1: I think Will's always been a wizard. Do you have Does any p- tips for tip corner, Will?
2: Nothing as good as shortcuts. Uh, <laughs> I would say, first, shortcuts do make you look like a wizard. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone's always just like, how do you work so fast? And it's just like, I'm probably working half the speed, but I'm not moving my mouse around. Uh, it pays off. It's
0: better. I'll give this little addendum to that. Shortcuts, it's even more impactful if you make eye contact with them. <laughs> while you <do> the shortcuts. <laughs> really assert your dominance.
2: <laughs> i think my only tip right now would be um designers should print their work out because you you see things differently off screen
0: mm-hmm. nice that was a great tip to add to tip corner thank you will yeah, um dude. as are wrapping up will is there anything
2: you'd like to plug where your social handles or anything uh, you can find me at Noble Folk Design on t- Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find me, Zach, Courtney, probably Miranda in the future, at DN Designers Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
0: And Dan. Dan's a good addition to that.
2: Yeah, Dan's good. Uh, sorry you made my third circle on Twitter, but it was nice to see you there
0: at all. A little hurt, but it's okay. I understand. Um, uh, so if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on instagram at creatoring um and there should be a link to join us on this discord i was told not to mention the website earlier because it's not done yet so i won't mention that uh thank you guys for hanging out thanks courtney Miranda. (laughs) it's fun thank you for listening guys um just know that we love y'all and always be yourself bye bye